As you head back to your seats, grab your Bibles and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Everybody here tonight should be pretty familiar with our context, so I'm not going to go back and redo what we do every week. But um, it is very important. But one thing I would like to do, hold your place in Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, and let's read starting in verse 32. And what I want to do is I want you to be able to see the context that we need to see tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. All right. It says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better position, a possession and an abiding one. All right, so what are we talking about here? What are these people going through? Bad persecution, right? Deep suffering because of their faith. All right, so verse 35, Therefore... Do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. So what is this author's, what is his concern about, about the Christians in this, in, in this audience? That's right. Don't, don't quit. Don't quit the race, right? Don't quit running. Don't, don't lose your faith. Now look what he says in verse 36. For you have need of what? endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And then he tells what is promised there. And uh, the promise of verse 37 says, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has what? No pleasure in him. That's exactly right. But verse 39, he gives an encouragement and he says to these guys, he says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who what? Have faith and preserve their souls. So here's the point. When he ends chapter 10, his concern is that the sufferings that they have went through and the things that they have endured may have tempted them to just quit and go back to the old ways, right? And how many of you know that that's tempting, right? When suffering comes and when when heartache comes, your, your emotions are tempted to just quit. Your emotions are tempted to just go back to the things that you have come away from. And so his plea to them is, you have need of endurance, guys. So sandwiched in between chapter 10, let's go back to chapter 12 now, 
And let's read the first few verses and notice how he sums this up. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with what? Endurance, perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's the point. At the end of chapter 10, He says, Don't quit. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. In other words, we're people of faith. And genuine faith will persevere through everything. There is nothing that can destroy genuine faith. God will cause it to, to go to completion if He started it in you. That's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. If you're of genuine faith, you need endurance. Keep on racing. Keep going. And then sandwiched in between chapter 10 and chapter 12 is... Here's what faith is, and let me show you some examples of people that live by faith. And they received the reward that was coming, the reward that God promised. And then when he gets to chapter 12, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, witnesses that did not quit just because suffering came, witnesses that did not quit in their faith just because they were tempted to go another direction, but witnesses who suffered in many ways, some of them even died. Some of them saw the victory in this life. Others, not so much. But they kept running the race, they kept enduring no matter what came their way. So since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So very quickly, I told you last week, I like to outline things. So I like to kind of look at it and see how I would lay this out. The first thing I would lay out is the examples. And I told you that last week. Verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what's he talking about? He's talking about all the examples that he's given, right? Since you see all these examples of all these people who run the race and they finished it, since we have those examples, now I'm going to give you some commands. What are the commands that He gives us to do? What's the first command? Lay aside the weight and the sin that what? That clings so closely. That so easily surrounds us. So in other words, here's what you see. When you go back and you look at the examples, one thing that you see is that they all had to make choices. They had to make choices. He doesn't want you to think that running this race is just sitting back and whatever happens, happens. No, it's a fight. And he wants you to understand that it is running a race and you have to make a choice. Just like Moses made choices, just like Daniel made the choice to, to go into the lion's den, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made the choice to go into the fiery furnace. Just so they, they made the choice to choose suffering instead of choosing the temporary pleasure 
and escaping the suffering. And that choice was them laying aside the weight and laying aside the sin that so easily clings around us. What that says to us is that we have to, we have the command here saying, look at all these examples. In other words, they did it, right? How many of us have been taught today that you can't do it? And don't get me wrong, I understand what these teachers are saying. It's all God and God does it and, and, and just, just, just trust in God. All those things are correct. But the Bible also says very clearly that you do have responsibility. Alright? You have a responsibility to make the choice to lay aside whatever the weight is that weighs you down from finishing, from running the race. Because let me tell you something. I don't care if you run a good race for 99% of your life and then right there at the end you give up, you quit. You are those that have just shrunk back and are going to be destroyed. But we are not of those that shrink back to destruction. We are of those that have faith and preserve our souls. And so, you, so the question that I ask you is, how did that apply to you last week? What is it that you looked at your life and said, okay, here is a weight or, uh, or weights, whichever the case may be, that I have to make a choice to lay aside. And in order for me to lay this aside, it means my suffering, right? Even if it is a specific sin that clings so closely and surrounds you. How many of you know that... Um, that sin, it because the sin promises a temporary pleasure, no matter what it is. Um, uh, you name a sin tonight, stealing, lying, um, you name it. I don't care what it is. It promises a temporary pleasure for a time. Or you can choose to not fulfill with that, to, to not go through with it, and if you don't, it tells you that it may mean a temporary suffering, Right? And so you have to make the choice to say, I will lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily entangles me. I'm going to make this choice to keep fighting it, to keep laying it aside, to keep um, uh, not just surrendering to it. So, we, so there's two commands there. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so cl clings so closely is the first command. What's the second command? And run. <laughs> run. There is a race for you to run. The Christian life is not just something that you say, I believe in Jesus and now you're done. There's a race for you to run. There is a weight for you to lay aside. There is a sin in your life. I'll talk to people and, um, and we talk about different sins. They say, well, you know, I don't really have a problem with that sin. Well, maybe you don't. But you have a problem with sin. Somewhere, somewhere there is a battle for you in your sin. And you have to make a choice. You know, I, I feel for young ladies and young gentlemen today. I saw Savannah and Boo sitting back here today, but I feel for them today. Because, you know, years ago, especially back in biblical days, I mean, they were getting married by the time they were what age? Anybody want to take a gander at that? Basically, if 13 to 14 years old, they're getting ready to start their family. Today, 
We have created a culture that says, don't you do that, don't you do that, don't you do that. You've got to fight this, this feeling and this, all these emotions until you are, what, 20-something, out of college. And by that time, I mean, you know, seriously, I sit back and think about today's teens and having to fight the urges that they have. And let's just face it, how, how many of them are actually fighting it? Not many. There are some. But for the most part, when, when I was a teen, I wasn't fighting it. And I mean, the, and probably if I were to, I mean, don't raise your hand tonight, but <laughs> I would say that for the majority, most people are not. But no matter who you are, what age in, in life you are, there is a weight and there is a sin that you have to make a choice that you are going to lay it aside, even though right now it means you're suffering. You're suffering. And it's the same way with, with any of us, no matter what age we are. And we have to run our race, whatever our race is. And we run it, here's how we run it, with endurance or perseverance. What is endurance? What is perseverance? Keep on keeping on. You, and, and endurance means that and endurance is something that basically, this is layman's terms here, this ain't Webster, but endurance is basically something where you go and go and go and you're tired and you're weary, but you keep going. You keep going through the tiredness, you keep going through the weariness. And think about this audience he's writing to. Remember, you've got to go back to Hebrews chapter 10, how he ended, right? He's writing to an audience that has all their goods of this world has been taken, apparently, because he said, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods because you knew that you had a better and an abiding possession in the kingdom of heaven. So don't quit and lose your reward. It's coming. All right, so he says here very plainly, he says that you have to make sure you run your race with endurance, the race that is set before us. And then verse 2, here's where we pick up last week where we didn't get to. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. So here's what you get next, the greatest example. So you have the cloud of examples, then you have the commands for you to follow. Now you have the greatest example that you look to. Yes, you can look back at all of those and you can see great examples of living by faith. But now this author says, I want to point you to a greater example. Not just a greater example, the greatest example. So he says here, look to Jesus. Now here's where a keyword study comes in for us to really understand what this author is trying to get across. So if you have a Bible Hub app or a Strong's Concordance app, um, um, Logos or whatever it is that you may use, I want to look up in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 and I want you to look up the very first word there in which we get let us look or let us fix our eyes is what the King James Version says. So looking, we it's really one Greek word. Now we can translate it, let us 
fix our eyes, or we can just translate it looking. The point is that it's one Greek word. And this Greek word is a word that means to look away from something else and to look toward another thing. So here you see this author is saying in the original Greek, he says, I want you to look away from what? what do we sh- according to verse 1, what do we need to look away from? Our sin, our weights, whatever it is that offers you a temporary satisfaction, a temporary pleasure, look away from that and now look unto something else. And what is it that we look to? We look to Jesus. So we look away from something and then we look to Jesus. And so whatever your weight or whatever your sin is that so easily surrounds you, he says, quit focusing your eyes on that. Find some way that you don't keep your eyes fixed on that anymore. But instead, now fix your eyes on something else. This is the reason why I love to see active church participation. I'm talking about small group, um, Wednesday night, Sunday, whenever. Because it gives, yes, it keeps you busy, don't it? It keeps you busy. Is it a bad thing when your busyness is uh, as we come in here and this is what we do? We get on our knees and we pray. We, We rightly divide His Word of truth. We talk to each other and minister each other. Is it a bad thing to be busy like that? No, it's not a bad thing. The truth of the matter is, that's one way that we can fix our eyes on Him so that we are actively pursuing Him. Notice what it says next. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Some of your versions, who has a different translation that says something different? Author. The champion who initiates and perfects. Okay, I can see that translation being correct. Let me show you why. When you go back to the Strong's here, this word in which we translate author or champion that initiates, um, it is actually a word that means pioneer. What's a pioneer? What did a pioneer do in the Old West? That's right. They blazed the trail before so that many others could follow in their steps, right? So here's what he's saying. Look to Jesus, the pioneer. The pioneer of what? Our faith. The kind of faith, the pioneer that we're talking about running a race with endurance, right? Somebody who does not quit. Somebody who faces great suffering. But they will not quit. No matter what the world throws at them, they will not quit. Who is the greatest example of that? The pioneer. It it, it actually comes from a word that means, the, the Greek word, it means this, the first in a long procession, a file leader who pioneers the way for others to follow. So there again, you can translate it author, You can translate it the champion that initiates um, or you can translate it the founder. But the point being is that it's talking about the person that, that, that first ran it perfectly. 
Abraham ran a great race of faith, didn't he? But did he run it perfectly? All of those people you saw back in chapter 11, they ran a great race of faith and they are great examples to people like you and I because we can look back and see they were sinners. But they ran the race. They laid aside the weights. They laid aside the sin that clings so closely. They ran the race with endurance and they received the prize at the end. But nobody, look away from everything else and look to Jesus the founder, the author, the champion who initiates, the pioneer that paved the way perfectly. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. That word perfecter actually comes from a um, Greek word that means he is the completer, he is the finisher, he is the consummator. So in other words, he's the one who started it perfectly and he's the one who finished it perfectly. So here's where you can, if you're doing an outline like I like to do, this is the reason why I outlined this section, the greatest example of running the race of faith. There is no greater example. That's the reason why this author tells this audience, you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus, guys. It is a good thing that we come in here and study Jesus, and study His ways, and study the way that He lived, and the way He responded to things. Because He is the founder, the author, and He is the perfecter. The one who finished it perfectly, the consummator of our faith. So again, what I'm trying to teach you tonight is that it's important to go back and look at some key words so that you can really get a good understanding of what this author is trying to get across to you. Because again, this is the living Word of God. It is Holy Spirit inspired. I don't care what it means to Charles Stanley. I don't care what it means to Jensen Franklin. I don't care what it means to, uh, to John Piper. I care about what God meant for this audience to hear when He spoke it. And the best way to figure that out is to keep it in its proper context and to do some keyword study to really understand why we translate it the way that we do. So no matter what translation you have, you at least ought to have both of those words there so that you can go back and see what each of those words originally meant in their Greek language. So. Again, here we're looking at the greatest example, the pioneer, the perfecter, the completer, the one who started it, finished it perfectly. In other words, there is no better example for you to look at. Look no further. If you want to know how to run this race with endurance, look no further than to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because there's no one that endured what He endured and kept running the race. And you're going to see He taps into that. This is the reason why... He says next, what does he say next? Who, for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? Endured the cross. Now, did Jesus suffer long before the cross? Why, yeah. Many temptations, many, many um, ways that he had no, no, head, no, no roof over his head, uh, nowhere to lay his head. I mean, he had many sufferings in this world. But it, all of that suffering was consummated, as you, if you will, in the cross that He had to endure. 
All of it, it led up to that point. And so he says here, look to Jesus. He's the founder, the perfecter of our faith, and He is the one who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. So this author is just bringing the ultimate suffering. Is there any greater suffering than what Jesus endured when He went to the cross? No, go back and read Psalm chapter 22. Go back and read Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, go back and read the account of his, his journey to the cross. And you will see very plainly that the suffering he endured is a prime example of someone who endures suffering to the greatest degree, and yet he did not quit. This is important. You know how many people we have seen quit this race since I've been doing this? I can't even begin to tell you. I can't count them all. So many have quit. And let me tell you something. That is not genuine faith. Genuine faith will persevere. It will endure. That's the reason he said you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive what He promised. All right? That's right. Yeah. Right. That's right. And that, and that's exactly what he's trying to do here. He's trying to prepare them in their minds. And you know we're not far from this kind of suffering. They arrested another pastor in Canada three days ago. I guess it was. Tim Stevens is his name. This is, I can't remember how many this is that they've arrested, uh, but they arrested him for holding an outdoor worship service. And they, they took him in. They come and got him from his house. His family, he got little bitty kids, and his kids were out there just screaming, crying as they locked his daddy up for holding a worship service and put him in, in the car and took him to jail. Um, and I mean, they're not doing it. They're not doing it to any of their political people who hold meetings together. They're not do the church is the only ones that they're doing this to. What does that tell you? How long do you think it's going to be? Have you ever seen the United States celebrate pride the way they're doing it right now? This month? How long do you think it's going to be for people like you and I that stand on the word of truth before we are considered hate speech people? That's right. I'm telling you, we are not far from the plundering of our goods because of the faith that you have. Now that's just the truth. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to prepare you. That you better be ready that this faith is either going to be proved genuine or it's going to be proved that it's not. And you will choose your temporary satisfaction over the temporary suffering. But if you look unto Jesus, the author or the founder, the perfecter of our faith, and notice what He did. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What do you think it means when it says, for the joy set before him? What was the joy that set before him if he went to the cross? That's one of them. That's exactly right. That's right. That, that, that a bride for himself, a people to reign with him, a family. That's right. Let me show you some of these scriptures. We probably won't get past this tonight. But go with me to uh, hold your place here. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Actually, we'll start back in verse 8. So Philippians chapter 2, let's start at verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above whose name? Every name. So that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. Is there, is there a knee that's left out? And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there in that verse we see that He is exalted as the Lord of all creation. No matter what it is. He is the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Every knee bows to Him. Now, that means that part of His joy is the worship that He will receive, right? And somebody will say, well, that's just conceited. No, conceited is to have an inflated view of oneself. Jesus does not have an inflated view of Himself. He has a right view of Himself. He and He alone is the only one that is, that is right to say, I deserve to be worshipped. I deserve to be Lord. And He proves it by all that He does. So because of His journey to the cross, He has been exalted to the place of the Lord of all creation. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So they share it together. Alright? Another scripture to look at. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. This is where Leanne said it just a minute ago, but we're going to we're going to add to it here because we're talking about what joy it was that was set before Jesus. In other words, set before Him. That means He knew this was coming before He did it, right? He knew the reward. He knew the promise of the, the triune God that got together before creation began and said, here's the plan. And Jesus said, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in for the reward, for the joy. Alright, so look at verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule, all authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And look at verse 22. And He put all things under His feet, and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So again, the point being is that His lordship, His reign, His ruling, His dominion, His power, His authority, and is there anything because of His journey to the cross that is left from out from under His feet and not under His authority? I don't care what it is, who it is. It is under His authority, His rule, His dominion. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of all creation. There is nothing and no one that is greater than Him. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4. I'm not even going into the Old Testament yet. I could. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4. And actually, let's just start in verse 3 because that's where you see the picture of it. Hebrews 1 verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And after making purifications for sins... Who's we talking about here? Jesus. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then the rest of that chapter is about the superiority of Jesus over everything, everybody, every angel, no matter what it is. Alright? Look at just a, a couple more. Look at Romans chapter 14, verse 11. I just want to drive the point home that this was the joy that was set before Him. Romans chapter 14 verse 11, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. And we will give an account to him. Alright. Look with me if you would at Revelations chapter 5 verse 3. And you're going to see the joy that is set before him that we're going to get to experience one day. Revelations chapter 5. Because again, his, his joy is his lordship. His authority, His dominion, His power, His worship, right? And look at where this culminates at in Revelation chapter 5. Let's start in verse 1. We'll just read through it. Then I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven 
or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to even look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Now, just for sake of time, the scroll is basically the deed to the earth, the deed to all of creation. And if you go back and you study a lot of Old Testament scripture, you can see where the scroll that was sealed, it was sealed as a deed that, that um, the rightful owner could, he was the only one that could break the seal and claim ownership over whatever the deed represented. So they're looking for somebody that's worthy to open the title deed to all creation, right? Look at verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. In other words, that was the promise made to him before the creation was ever created. The promise was... Here's where you're going to get the worship. Here's where you're going to get the power. Here's where you're going to get the dominion. And Jesus said, I'll do it. He conquered so that he could open the scroll and its seven seals in verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. That's what he did in order to deserve the right to open the scroll. With seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. And here's what they sang to Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. In other words, you deserve worship. You bought them. They're yours. And they keep going. You ransomed them from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God. This is why the church is so important. All right, And they shall reign on the earth. We're going to reign with Jesus. I don't have time to go through that right now. Look at verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels. So you see this growing worship service here. This is a beautiful picture. Now the angels join in with the elders and the, and the, uh, the living creatures. All right. And I heard the voice of many angels numbering myriads. In other words, countless or it's too great to number myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and even in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. <laughs> Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So again, here's the point that I'm getting to in this. Jesus endured the cross. He endured the suffering that He endured for the joy that was set 
before him. He knew what was coming. How is that any different from us? You, the promise, and I wish I had time tonight. We may look at it next week. The promise for you is you get to reign with the one that has all dominion, all power, all authority, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the one with the name that is greater than any other name. We, the people that conquer by faith, get to reign with Him. That's the reason why when Chris and them sing the song, and part of the song goes, Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. That's the beauty of that song. Is that I, don't, I can't explain to you why I should get to share in His reward. I can't give you an answer for that. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. And because of that, I get to reign with Him. I get a better and an abiding possession. And so this is the reason why people of genuine faith can look at the example Jesus set and endure any suffering you have to endure here and now. Because listen, if I have to suffer now, it's okay. I have a better and abiding possession. I have a joy that is set before me and I keep my eyes fixed on the prize, as Paul said. I keep my eyes fixed on it and I keep my eyes fixed on the founder of our faith, the perfecter of that faith and that race that we are called to run. Is this making any sense at all? All right. And so... Again, when you read it, we'll stop in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12. Looking to Jesus. So look away from everything else. Look to Jesus who is the founder, the perfecter of of the faith of running a race with endurance. And He did it for the joy that was set before Him and even endured the cross because of this joy. He despised the shame. That means that he he disregarded it. And again, I've got in my study notes tonight to talk about the shame of the cross. The shame that he endured. I mean, the cross took everything that, that this world offered him away from him. It took his dignity away. He was hung naked on the cross. Had any other time in Jesus' life he'd been naked before people? He's hanging there between two thieves with a crown of thorns on his head. He is a king, right? But they mocked him. They they tried to take the dignity of his kingship away from him. Purple robe, king, uh, uh, a crown of thorns. And I could go on and on and on, but he despised the shame. He disregarded it. He didn't allow the shame to stop him from enduring the cross even though he knew what it was because of the joy that was set before him, right? So he despised the shame. And as a result of that, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, he received his reward. He received his prize. 
and he's going to continue to receive it as age and age and age goes on throughout all eternity. He will always reap the reward of his prize. And in verse 3, so based on the greatest example of a runner of faith, here's what I want you to do. Here's the next command, the third command. And what is it? Considering. What does it mean to consider something? Huh? Think about it. To think deeply on it. To look deeply into it. So here's what this author has done. He said, you got to keep enduring. You need endurance. If you're going to win the prize, you got to have endurance. If you shrink back, you're destroyed. But we're not of those. So let me show you all these examples that you can look at to see what running the race looks like. And now let me show you the greatest example. He's the perfecter. He's the founder of it. He endured the cross because of the joy that set before him. He despised the shame and he is seated at the right hand of God. So now, considering, considering, and that's what we'll do next week. Next week I want you to come back in and we're going to consider Jesus and we're going, to, we're going to see what He wants us to consider about Him. Is there any questions tonight? Any comments? Y'all ain't got nothing to say after that? <laughs> Alright, what's your question? I think so. Uh, Nathan told me to put my lapel on tonight, so I'm pretty sure I know. I'm, I know he's recording tonight. So, um, unfortunately, I have gotten so far away from any of that stuff because Nathan just took it over. I don't have a clue what to do when I walk up in that room. So, unless unless Nathan or somebody that knows what they're doing is able to do it, um, I'm not able to do it. But. Um, Right, yeah. Well, and I'm sure he will. Right, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. All right. No, you're fine. You're fine. All right, any other questions or comments? All right. Right. Uh huh. And he could have been kind of, because again, he's speaking to these Old Testament people about all that. He could have been kind of uh, relating those. Right. That's right. Beautiful. I love it whenever I see what the author was really trying to do instead of just reading it. You know, I get so much more out of it when I really understand and I'm in the train of thought that the author is in. Uh, it just makes all the difference in the world to me. All right. Well, thank you all for your time and your attention tonight. Um, let's close in a word of prayer and you'll be dismissed. Father, we come to you tonight and we just want to say thank you that, um, Lord, you've given us so many examples that we can look back at. Father, I just thank you that you've given us the perfect example. God, I thank you tonight that we have a Savior that paved the way for us. He's the pioneer, the, the founder of what living by faith looks like. He's the perfecter of it. Father, I just thank you tonight that, um, Lord, that He endured the cross, despised the shame, 
Uh, Lord, I know He did it for the joy that was set before Him, but we were part of that joy. And so, Father, I thank You tonight that, uh, Lord, He did that for us. Father, I pray tonight that You would help us to, um, to really examine the, the weights and the sins that so easily set us uh, back from running the race, that, that just slow us down. Father, I pray, God, that You would help us to look at these examples and understand that we can make the choice to lay it aside. And Father, I pray that You would give us the strength and the boldness to be able to do that, no matter what it takes. Father, I don't care if it's... Lord, You, you told us if, if Your right hand causes You to sin, cut it off. <laughs> Father, I just pray that, Lord, we would be make such a war on sin in our lives, God, that, um, Lord, we would cut off whatever needs to be cut off, Father. Lord, I pray that if, um, Lord, if phones need to be cut out of our lives or computers or, or whatever it is, Father, TV, um, Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us such a, a boldness in our faith that, Lord, we would gladly cut away whatever does not belong and whatever sets us apart from being able to run with endurance. Father, I just pray, God, that, um, Lord, you would just help us... Um, to really think about Jesus this next week. Father, I pray that you would help us to consider Him well. Father, I pray that you would give us hearts that want to look ahead and really think about uh, what it is that we need to consider about Him. And so, Father, I pray that we're able to come back next week and, um, and just really have a healthy discussion about um, what it is that we need to see in Jesus to run our race with endurance the way that He did. And Father, I pray, God, for those that are suffering in their faith. Lord, there are many across the world. We don't, really, we don't really understand what it means to suffer for faith. But Father, there are many that do, and we lift them up to you tonight. And we just pray, God, that you would, that you would strengthen them in their faith. That, Father, their faith would be genuine and that it would prove to, uh, to preserve their souls all the way to the end. So, Father, I just pray, God, that you would help us be prepared for that, to have a mindset to face it no matter what comes our way in the future, God. We're ready to give our lives to stay true to you and your word and to run the race that you set before us. Father, thank you. Thank you for everything you do for us, especially for mercy. And as already been said, we thank you for both the mercy and the grace, Father. We know both of them are required for us to run this race. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.